This podcast is just about to get unreal. Been absolutely spangolated. Yeah, I've crashed in Croatia, but honestly, you got to check the view out. And he comes running up the street just in his pants. How many Dalmatians were there? People do kind of look at you and take pity. I do think you did hit that cup. Chaz, unhinged, and he jumped through the glass window. Hello and welcome to What's in Matt's Head with me, Matt Head. This is a podcast all about travelling. More specifically, it's all about a wild road trip that wound around Europe, frequently stumbling on continental charms, but more frequently, stumbling into marvellous misadventures. In this episode, we are chatting about what happened when the trip cruised through Croatia. Will and Charlie are here to help look back at what happened when we partied on the island of Pag, zoomed through Zagreb, and got our A-level results in a random field in Hungary. But, like most episodes, we'll begin with a driving disaster. So I was very nearly, debatably did, crash the camper waiting to get on a ferry. Now, lads, this is a bit of a weird one. I'm pretty sure it's Barnes' fault, but I can't quite remember how. But basically, Chaz, this is what happened. We are driving into Croatia. We just left Slovenia on a massive high. And yeah, we're cruising down the lovely coast through the dry and dusty mountains. And then we turned a corner. We're heading to the island of Pag, famous for the parties of Zucra Beach and the beach clubs and the open air festivals. We were pretty excited to get there. And we were driving along these lovely roads, turned around the corner. We had this lovely view of the Dalmatian Sea, crystal blue waters, plenty of spotty dogs, exactly what you'd expect. Lovely cliffs diving into the sea and the ferry waiting for us at the bottom. But unfortunately, there was a massive queue to get there. And it was also midsummer in Croatia. So there's 30 odd degrees, maybe even higher. And you can't really leave an air cooled engine sitting around, it not moving in the traffic, not getting cooled by any air like it's meant to. So, what we had to do is turn off the engine to make sure it didn't overheat. But what happens when you turn off the engine is the brakes stop working. And there was quite a steep hill down to the ferry, and the handbrake doesn't really work. So, in a bit of a drama, we were doing the chalk dance where we put th- things under the wheels to make sure we don't roll down. But one time we thought we'd just see what happened if we didn't do it, which maybe that's why it was Barnes' fault. Maybe he wasn't on chalk duty. But yeah, pulled up behind this car, turned the engine off, brake slowly stops working. And then to restart the engine when we move in this stop-start traffic, we've got to turn the key, foot on the accelerator to get the engine ticking over. But I can't have my foot on the brake and the accelerator. So we start rolling down slowly, hoping the van's going to come to life before we have to come to a stop. But it doesn't. And this is where it gets very interesting. We're getting very close to the car. Barnes getting a little bit worried. His brow's got a lovely bead of sweat on it. And just as we're about to touch, possibly later than that crucial moment, I slammed on the brakes and we came to a very sudden stop. We're both a bit worried about what happened. There was a loud bang. It must have been a tin of beans rolling around in the kitchen. And then we would have sat there confused, engine not going, but we had stopped foot firmly on the brake and the chocks down and then we just had the question what was going to happen next yeah i was just wondering at what point this did become my fault (laughs) (laughs) got lost got lost throughout that story as to what exact moment within that was my fault and also it wasn't a tin it wasn't a can of beans that hit the floor we did hit into the car in front i think 
we both realised that we did. And we we luckily had the front wheel, uh, the spare wheel on the front of the car. And so that's what hit the car in front. But when we stopped, we both looked at each other like, why aren't they angry? Why haven't they reacted at all in the car in front? And they just literally did not bat an eyelid at it. So that's part of my evidence of that I didn't hit it. No one got out of the car. The car in front did not react. And there was no mark left on the back of their car. I reckon I saved it just in time. That car just absolutely has a fat ass though in front of it. The fact that they didn't react at all, literally didn't even phase them that this big two-ton camper van had come down the hill without any brakes and hit into the back of them. They just carried on sitting there nonchalant about anything. But we definitely we definitely did hit. And if, if we didn't hit, then I would like to see the can of beans that fell off that actually uh, made that loud noise. <laughs> they must have got a good roll up to thud into the side. But Chaz, uh, from what you've heard, Obviously, it's Barnes Fox didn't put down the chalk. We've got over that. That's all sorted. But do you reckon we hit it or not? Big noise, sudden stop, but no marks and no angry Croatian drivers. I've always been a big proponent of no face, no case. And if no one's blinking an eyelid, I think you're in the clear. Plus, even if you did, you've got some mitigation there. The sounds of that scenery as you're driving in, there's crystal blue screen. There's enough distraction there. You know, even the most proficient of drivers could be forgiven for for taking his eye off the wheel and you know you were dealing with less than satisfactory mechanics with what's in front of you and do you know what I think even if there might have been a, a tap slight bit of contact give it the bod mate benefit of the doubt can you imagine rigging up the insurance company though and saying yeah I've crashed in Croatia but honestly you gotta check the view out mate you, you would have let me off if you would have seen that view you'd you'd honestly you'd even crash yourself and I mean, yeah, so where did you crash? Oh, oh it's lovely around there, isn't it? Yeah, oh, don't worry, mate. I've crashed on them myself. We'll write this one off. Don't worry about it. It's on us. Just send us the bill, lads. Don't worry about it. You know, you get those apps now where like, if you don't know where you are, you can describe three things or whatever, and they can find <laughs> you. You said, like, as your three things, it's just, it's fucking gorgeous. And they'll be like, oh, fair enough. Like, mitigating circumstances, you're in the clear, but... Yeah, I think I, I honestly think it was fine. Well, it did to everything that ends well is well, or whatever the saying is. So, yeah, it all it all went okay. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. It was all right. I just the lack of reaction is what really does get me because all jokes aside, I do think you did hit that car. Chats, and I on. don't know why no one reacted. <laughs> Mate, honestly, Matt and I were just sat there both looking at each other like, why haven't they reacted? <laughs> like, We were reacting on their behalf. I was almost pissed off at Matty for hitting into the car and <laughs> at it. I was like, you know, we need a reaction here. We need, we need some confirmation. And we didn't get that confirmation at all, but it, it would actually fully hit into them. This was also at the start of a hill as well, because you were looking down and you could see the ferry coming across and you could see all the like zigzaggy <laughs> road going all the way downhill. We're like, this is, this is literally happened within the first quarter of a mile. We've still got a mile or more left to go. <laughs> still with the same issue, still with the same 30 degree air, still with the same engine and brakes not working. But still, mate, that view is worth it. Yeah, but still the same car in front of us the whole way down and then in front of us on the ferry. And obviously you get out, once you get on the ferry, you have to get out of your cars. And we both got out and they just didn't blink an eye at us. So I feel fully vindicated in this. But yeah, it was a beautiful <laughs> coastline, all those Dalmatians. You know, I could be forgiven if, if I did hit them, which I, I did not. How many Dalmatians were there? <sighs> at least, I would say, if I had a guess, I would say one. 
I wasn't going to say too cheesy to say 101. I was just about to say, I was just about to say, I, I saw no more than one Dalmatian in the car. So I don't know where he's ever. Not just in the car, they're all over the coast, the Dalmatia coast. Beautiful mm. place. But yeah, eventually that queue, honestly, though, took forever and it didn't obviously start well. But, and apparently, if you're born on that ferry, you get free ferry journeys for life on it. But the queue was so long, you probably could have conceived and gestated the baby and popped him out on the ferry. Like it felt like it took forever. But maybe that's because I was guilty about stressing Will about about because he thought I crashed. So, isn't that a genuine thing in airplanes as well? If you have a baby on an airplane and you get free flights for that airline or something for life. But I do wonder, like, at what point it actually becomes worth it to conceive on a mode of tra- travel. I like, think it's being that- conceived on the mode. I think it's being born. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's slightly different, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, they're life. a bit different there. You could always, you, like, who knows when you got conceived? You could just claim it and get those air miles. <laughs> so true. I, I, I don't know where I was at with that one, but be born. Like, if, especially if you're in America as well and you don't have a healthcare policy, bear in mind how expensive giving birth is there if you don't, if you don't have insurance or whatever. If you were to get onto a Delta airline or something, get on a flight, just going from point like a small city near you to another small city near you making sure you're going to give birth at that particular point your quid's up for life well i'm sure if it was a point of conception there'd be a lot of people getting free clubbing in the island of pag for life because we went to the famous outdoor clubs of zucra beach and we found like this is generally one of our best parking spaces i'm just looking at a photo here on my wall at the moment and we parked right on this beach next to like a water skate park of it and there's the mountains in the background. We backed up right onto the sand. It was incredible. And it was about, I don't know, 100, 200 meters away from the fence. And we found like a little side entrance into all the clubs and like this massive festival on the beach and wild place to stay in Croatia, like proper party land, pretty much like another Cavox, just smelt a bit better. But yeah, really cool place to stay. Yeah, that was probably another top class place for us. I think the night before PAG was it when we were driving and I was playing some acoustic music late at night uh, to keep you awake and it didn't have a desired effect and we did stop right on the side of the road at this cliff point. That was another nice nice view. So we did have a couple of good parking spots in Croatia, but the one in PAG really was nice actually. Like Throughout the whole day and everything, you look out on all people water skiing, you have the mountains in the background, you're literally 10 metres away from lying down on the beach. It, it, it was great. Yeah, it's a very weird kind of contradiction. It's like this really nice scenic beach, but then next to this massive party, like festival with all the massive rides going around and all the flashing lights and the loud music till four in the morning. But at least it was a short walk back. So we did spend about three or four nights just there having a lot to drink and then spending the days lying on the beach and having a swim to recover. But yeah, very cool place to go. I, I did quite enjoy it. I, I feel as I did quite enjoy it, but also the company that we were with, like all of the people there, I just didn't get on with at all. And I think that kind of mars that area for me. If there would have been like a good group of people there or anything, like I think it would have been a lot better. But the people who were there, I, I found them just quite weird, actually. Cheers then. <laughs> what was so weird about it? Was it was it not like young people like yourselves, like traveling around and was it not that kind of people? feel like you kind of have to do that thing with like a group of mates it's not the same when there's two of you in a van like say for our lads holiday there was 10 of us and like there's so much stuff that happened so it wasn't really the same vibes i think will yeah he was pretty happy when we when we left at the end well at least when we tried to leave because we um we'd been there for three or four days we'd obviously hadn't moved the van so the battery hadn't been charged 
I just quickly want to know at what point this is going to become my fault. So carry on the story. So we've been there for three days. We've been, Will'd been charging his phone like a ridiculous amount and just draining the battery. And then it came to the time we had to leave. And unfortunately, Will had fully drained the battery. So we turned the key in the ignition. We'd packed up the van, excited to go, off to Zagreb. We turned the key, nothing. Complete dead battery. And we didn't really know what to do. We thought we'd try and push start it, but we're on a bit of a hill. So once again, Will failed to push it up the hill with me in the driving seat steering. He failed to push this whole van up a hill, which is unbelievable again. And yeah, we got some very odd looks from the beach. Obviously, Germans get everywhere at the moment. I think the sight of Will trying to push the van up the beach made them turn around and take action. They knew we needed help. So we had, yeah, luckily the Germans helping us out. There were another set of people in an old Volkswagen, not as old as my one, not as cool, like a newer one. But yeah, they came along with some jump leads, parked up next to us and started the van for us. And then as we just about to jump in, they all said, we hope you're going straight back home. But unfortunately, as you know, we carried on over to Hungary, which, you know, probably the furthest away we got from home on the whole trip. But yeah, they they weren't too trusting of us considering we couldn't even restart a van with a dead battery. Now, I do think it's one of the lucky things of having a old Volkswagen as well is that people do kind of look at you and take pity if something does go wrong. So uh, everyone was more than willing to help us out, luckily, because we had absolutely no clue what we were doing. Yeah, that's the thing. You talk about the German tourists there as if they were a you know, pest, but actually you wouldn't have completed that trip. You wouldn't even got close to without all those patriotic Germans leaping at the chance to help out their, their nation's talisman. It's, it's funny that you say that because he also mentions other people as so they are pests as well, but I don't think he would have had quite the same experience throughout the whole road trip if that <laughs> certain individual was, wasn't there with him. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, Luckily, I like it. Will got us out of the hole. He was the one. No, he doesn't really, but he did help. He was there, at least. <laughs> He managed to navigate us out of the island of Pag and we didn't have to get the ferries times. So we avoided any long queues and any potential collisions. And then we headed up to Zagreb. We actually helped. We, we did some good karma. Someone else broke down at the end of the toll booth and we push started them. And then we headed up, headed up to Zagreb. And well, it's not even worth stopping in here in the pogs. We only stayed there for a night and we didn't really do much, did we, Bum? I was just about to say, this is probably a place I know very, very limited about, and we, we didn't even go to it. If we're, if we're honest, we didn't experience it at all, and I'd generally say that I haven't been to Zagreb in my life. As a result of it, it was the shortest flying visit going, and just wasn't good at all. Yeah, so Charles, we basically got into the city late at night. Parking took us a while. Again, the classic, where do you park a van in a city? We parked outside this really loud and strange like restaurant and I was in the best mood I think the, the little breakdown had taken out with me so I didn't even leave the van wheel front for a walk around the lake in the park and I think he enjoyed that but I just kind of had dinner and read my book and had a bit of a grump so yeah we didn't do too much the next day we did plan to go and see some stuff and we drove up and parked in the middle of the city hoping to go see the old town but it was raining and we just couldn't be asked for it really we're like we're not going to go walk about in the rain all the buildings we'd seen were these massive kind of concrete blocks, kind of Soviet-esque. It wasn't too inviting. So, yeah, we made a very hasty exit out of there. And I don't really have much to add other than 
yeah, there's not even many facts about. I tried to look up what I can bulk this section up with in terms of facts, and the only one I got is that you know how Croatia. Have you ever seen Croatia's flag? It's like red, white, and blue, and it's got a thing in the middle. It looks like a chessboard. One of the rumors about the flag is that when those pesky Venetians that we talked about earlier, they they rocked up, obviously got fighty, stole places like Zadar, where Pag is, even stole Dubrovnik. And apparently they even captured a Croatian king. But instead of having a massive battle to get him out, they just played chess and the Croatian king won and got his freedom. And that is one of the reasons why people claim that the Croatian flag is like a chessboard. People actually do go to Zagreb as well, though, don't they? So there's Zagreb, Zagreb and is it Dubrovnik as well that people do? Yeah, go to Dubrovnik, yeah just, Dubrovnik and Split are massive tourist attractions. Obviously, Dubrovnik's now even bigger because of Game of Thrones, but I would love to go there. It looks amazing. It's just a bit too far south for us. One of the places I can recommend in, uh, in Croatia is actually Perek, home of the sports tours, of which I was privileged enough to attend for, for a couple of years. And although there's not much culture there, I can firmly say there's a lot of fun to be had in the streets of Prague. Yeah, I'm sure. Like A lot of Croatia is an amazing time if you want to go for a nice relaxing holiday. But Zagreb, I haven't been, so I could not recommend it. But I'm not in a rush to go back from what I did see. Um, most of the history, well, most of the recent history anyway, is pretty grisly. And I don't think we're really qualified to talk about the Balkan Wars or World War II, really. But I'm sure you can find out some more information about that if you need to. But that's not the kind of stuff we need right now in this pod, is it, really? There you go. Summarised. I've got a much better story about Croatia, though. But when I was there on tour, it's only a quick one, but it's good. <laughs> much more our speed. On our final night before we were leaving, you go on these big sports tours and it's like a 40-hour bus journey with like 40 lads on a bus. It's absolute carnage. On the way back, it's even worse. Because everyone's got a week long's worth of hangovers catching up with them. Everyone's feeling like ass. On the final night, you all go out. Everyone, some people like let's take it sensible. Some people like let's fucking hammer it home. I took the sort of middle ground, had a good night, came back in, ready to go in the morning. Hangovers started to hit. Everyone's feeling a bit grim, waiting to get loaded onto these hot, sweaty, cramped buses for the 40 hour journey home. We're all there apart from one person, this one kid who's gone missing. We're all like, what the fuck? Where, where is he? Where is he going to go? Where, where is this guy? We're all calling him. Can't find him at all. On the bus, about to leave. We're like, we, we're going to have to go with that. We've got no idea where he is. The bus driver won't wait. And he comes running up the street, just in his pants, from the direction of the clubs we've been the previous night. And we were like, where the fuck have you been? He's like, lads, I'll get my stuff. I'll tell you on the bus. Runs around, gets all his shit together, comes out on the bus. We're like, mate, where the fuck were you? He was like, I got lost on the way home yesterday. So what he did was he found an empty empty holiday villa and he jumped through the glass window and he slept the night on the floor of this holiday villa. <laughs> and oh then, my God. And he spent the night there and he passed out on the floor. And he woke up in the morning, phone dead, no idea what the time was, but the sun rises early and it feels like it's in the middle of the day, even at like seven in the morning. And he thought he'd been left behind. And he's, his kid's got a lisp. And he said to us, to be honest, lads, I thought I was going to be the next Madeleine McCann. Oh, my God. <laughs> and the best part of the story is that instead of climbing out through the broken window, in his, like, drunken stupor, he thought the best way to get out of this without cutting myself on broken glass is going to be to jump through the other window. So he smashes his way through the other window in one big leap. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so, so anyone, 
another shout out to one of our listeners. If you have a holiday home in Perret and in 2018 you returned to it to find both ground floor windows shattered, I have to say, on behalf of my friend Jimmy Quinney, I can only apologise. I really hope it's not the same people who own that villa as own the car that I debatably crashed into, but I wouldn't be surprised. I'd also like to say that not all rugby union players are like this. Yeah, no, I'm not either. That's not me, but some people are. <laughs> Wild. Also, yeah, I, I, that's, that wasn't a rugby club at Sheffield, by the way. That was the uh, Frisbee team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is absolute madness but I think we had our own bit of madness after we crossed the border into Hungary I mean all of Hungary is pretty crazy but it started off in the same vein because the third week I think of August is when students around the country get their A-level results and me and Will were no different it's just rather than going into school and opening our little envelopes we were in a random field in Hungary next to a lake called Balaton, known as the Hungarian Sea. And we'd rocked up there. Absolutely beautiful. It's massive lake. No wonder they call it the Hungarian Sea. And it follows the motorway all the way up to Budapest. And we thought we'd stop there for a little pit stop. Nice lake to wash in. You know, we don't want to camp any. We want to camp somewhere nice and quiet. We'll have a chilled out results there. So we got there the night before. Parkins banned all the way around it. Nowhere to stay. But luckily... Our handy friends from Germany were there. Not the same people, but they were building a house there. So at the moment, they just had this empty field. And they said, you can't park anywhere, but just come park on our little bit of turf with all its overgrown grass. So that is the setting. This overgrown field, another camp, camper van with a couple of Germans in it, and this lovely lake in the mountains. And that's where we got our A-level results. And then the next morning, we woke up, woke up for the big day. And it was very strange. Like I'm sure... I don't know, I know if my GCSEs, I went into town, had a hot chocolate with my mum and had a coffee, went to school, opened my envelope, you know, normal kind of day, went out. Well, we went to Reading Festival, I believe, after GCSEs. But anyway, back in Budapest, I got up, had a tin of spaghetti hoops, jumped in the lake for a swim. And then me and Will just kind of, I don't think we really talked much. We both kind of just walked around ignoring each other, a bit nervous, but very strange. Yeah, I remember Will looked at his phone early on. And he already got his confirmation. So, yeah, no stresses there. Just kind of waiting to crack on, but very, very different to a normal A-level results, I'm sure. Yeah, it was quite funny, actually, because that year, I think the uni offers had been leaked a couple of days early or something. And I found out that I actually could have looked up my result two or three days earlier. And so not have had that couple of day worry. But it was it was it was surreal getting the results. I think I, I don't do. I think I'll always remember that lake as well, and being in that area. Um, it was it was just quite a surreal morning. We were both kind of quite apprehensive as to what our futures really would look like, what grades we got, and what it kind of meant for us both from there. And yeah, Matty absolutely nailed it as well. <laughs> it was it was unbelievable when we. When we got through and actually got the uh, results back, like, I was happy to get into uni and stuff. But when we looked at Matt's result, and you thought, like, oh, fair enough, mate. Yeah, I was very confused when my mum rang me and she was in tears. It, it didn't seem like a good start to the conversation, but I think they were just tears of surprise and shock because I don't think anyone had too much hope for me. I was not never the, really the best student, but I knuckled down from A-levels. And yeah, I, didn't, I knew I didn't want to go to uni. So I was just happy when Will already got in. There was no stresses there. But yeah, it, it was a nice surprise to exceed my mum's expectations <laughs> i have to say i was at school at this time and i i watched matt's mum kim open the envelope with his results in it 
And I thought Matt had bombed it because her reaction was not the reaction of somebody who was happy. Like she, she was like almost having a panic attack on the state of her face. She was like, this can't be Matty. This can't be Matty. Are you sure this is right? Are you sure this is right? <laughs> I'm glad she had so much faith in me. It's the same as like when I surprised in Portugal, she just kind of, I thought she was having like a heart attack and she just didn't speak and then started crying. I'm like, she just maybe processes joy in a, in a strange way when it's related to me. I'm, I am glad I did her proud, but I'll always be happy about that. But yeah, um, yeah, did my mum proud. So it was all good. Yeah. And I think after that as well, we kind of just, it was, it was such a stressful morning. As Matt said, we, we just weren't speaking to each other at all until we both actually knew what we'd got. And then after that, it was kind of this like huge wave of relief like we hadn't really spoken about it too much the night before we kind of just gone about our way and like we're quite quiet really and in the morning just dead silent but after it it was just like this huge wave of relief like that's it that's done and then it was very much like right we're in Budapest next we're gonna have a class class night out yeah exactly I'm shout out my mum for making me learn all my English quotes but yeah after that we we were just both pretty over the moon. Like it was an amazing moment. Like we'll say, like, I can picture it all so clearly. I have a great memory of the place and what happened. We both just, you know, gave each other a big hug, looked in the van, saw a few bottles of, well, a few crates of beer, a few bottles of Jaeger and a few bottles of gin and just thought there's only one place we can go to celebrate. And we moved on to Budapest, which, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we rumbled on to Budapest and that's where it all got a little bit wild. This but before... is about to go off a cliff, isn't it? It's about to <laughs> fucking just plummet. It's about to get very rogue. Like, mum, if you're listening now, don't listen to any more episodes after this. I've, you know, thanked you for making me do well in my level and being a great mum, but just don't listen to the next 10 or so episodes. Yeah. The same to the BBC Sounds director. I don't think you should listen any further. No, commission us before we release our, our Budapest pod, please. And that's a wrap on series one. <laughs> no more no more needed yeah obviously me and Will related after results so we rolled on up to Budapest and that is a story that Charlie's very excited for he's been wanting to tell these stories and it's going to be a great episode but we'll have to save those for maybe a two-part special coming soon we'll keep this one short so before we leave Will we'll do quickly just nice and short Pag would you go there again Balaton would you go there again and maybe your three favourite bits from Croatia and Hungary. For me, Pag, I would not go there again. I think it was a class place, but I think there's better places to have and better company, probably. Um, Balaton, I would not go there again. It's a huge lake, but it's also a dirty lake. Like, the amount of birds that are in, in there, it's not clear at all. And although we were using it to clean ourselves, I think we were probably making ourselves more dirty as a result of it. But it will always hold a place in my heart for uh, A-levels and I'll always remember it and being in back of that guy's field as well. And as for Zagreb as well, bear in mind I haven't actually been there. I probably wouldn't go back there. I don't really know too much about it. I think if I was to go back to Croatia, then uh, I'd make sure to get to Dubrovnik and split. But other than those two, I don't, I don't really know. And so overall, Croatia for me, it's not... A massive yes. I possibly would go back there again, but I think there's better alternatives. Highlight of the little leg of the trip that ventured there? Highlight of the little leg of the trip? Oh, um, probably my highlight was Balaton Lake that morning when we both knew we'd done well. Um, both knew like we'd got what we wanted. I think like, as much as like we, we weren't really thinking about it at all because we were so busy all the time. Actually just having that 
big sense of relief really um, after it. I think that was cool. And then the drive up to Budapest as well. We were both very much so up for that as well. Yeah, I agree with that entirely, really. Um, Balloton was the highlight. and That A-level results day will always stick in my memory. But yeah, PAG, not too asked about. Balloton, I'm pretty sure the water's like got a radiation problem. So also, yeah, definitely not too clean. But I'm sure there must be either like the beaches of PAG or the party islands or the big lake of Hungary. There must be something similar to one of them back home in Gloucestershire, Chaz. Hi, I'm Charlie Newhall and welcome to Home and Away. This week, we've been in Croatia looking at all of the sites and party places there is to behold. Now, in Gloucestershire, there's actually quite a few alternatives because all people seem to do in PAG is get pissed and hang around with people that aren't all that fun, according to Mr. Bannister. And I've got a perfect place for you. Moo Moo's Club Rooms in Cheltenham is the only place where you can get go and get £1 bombs, £4 entry, and absolutely spangolade with a bunch of strangers who are all, to be honest, pricks so it's just like pag it's just like all these places in croatia but you don't have to play for a for, for a flight and you don't have to pay stupid amounts of money to pay for the cocktails and all the crap they sell in the bars over there get yourself a one pound bomb and get it over with and if you're really looking for a dip in a lake pitbull park's just around the corner and it's got plenty of birds and plenty of shite in it just like balaton enjoy wow yeah um sure that i wouldn't really want to go back to moose either in Cheltenham, but if they are listening <laughs> and do want to give us some free one pound bombs and save us probably a few quid each we'd would happily rescind those comments generally on some of these home and away chas you, you do make me wonder why i do like traveling and going abroad you know there's so much to do in this wonderful land of Cheltenham. it's incredible honestly i don't know why you bother going elsewhere i do not know it is amazing with... anyway it doesn't matter where you are it's amazing with all those one pound bombs on Thursday night and all those hungover school days on a Friday that we did come out with good A-levels and university places. It really is marvel. But if you thought the club rooms of Cheltenham World, just wait until the next episode where we talk about the crazy nights out in Budapest. Because next week is the one Charlie's been waiting for and we head to Budapest. A two became four as Charlie and Jake joined us in the Hungarian capital and shit went wild. I'm full of excitement and dread to reminisce about what was utterly chaotic few days. It's going to be a cracker. You won't want to miss it. See you then. Goodbye. I'm not looking forward to Charlie actually finally becoming relevant on these podcasts, but it's bye from me for now. This podcast is just about to get unreal. Do you know what? I'm not even going to say goodbye because you're only just about to meet Chaz. Unhinged, unrestricted. Let's fucking go. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can download all the shows we've done so far from Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Please get in touch with us on Twitter using the What's In Matt's Head hashtag. If you could leave us a review wherever you've listened to this, that would be great. And if you could share it with your mates, that would be even better. Don't forget to subscribe so that you get all the latest episodes straight to your device. We will be back next week, but for now, goodbye.